You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. The Collected Podcast is sponsored by Clean Juice, a certified organic nutrition and wellness bar with more than 100 locations in development in 16 states. Learn more at cleanjuice.com. Welcome to episode 47 of The Collected Podcast. I'm Michaela Hooper. I'm Tia McNally. And I'm Jess Biondo. Today, we are so excited to bring you our interview with Brian Dixon. He is the founder of an awesome organization called Hope Writers, uh, which you'll hear in the interview is kind of the catalyst for this podcast existing. Um, He's the author of Start With Your People. He is an educator, a marketing guru, um, a school starter. He started a charter school. So he has done all sorts of fascinating things. And his story blew me away. I was supposed to be in the interview. I didn't even end up speaking because I was just enthralled with what he was saying. So I hope you enjoy his story um, as much as I did. So ladies and gentlemen, here is Brian Dixon. Hey, Brian, welcome to the Collected Podcast. You guys are amazing. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. I'm so excited to get a chance to chat with you a little bit and hear more about uh, your life right now because I know things are really exciting. Um, but first, can we can we back up to the beginning? Will you give us a little snapshot of kind of your background and your faith journey up to now? Oh, I love the question. Thanks so much for asking it. This is something I don't get to talk a lot about because I, I really am like a business coach. You know, that's really where I focus. Yeah. But, but I, I, you know, I love Jesus and uh, I learned from my, from my friend and mentor, Ray Edwards to, you know, wear your faith on your sleeve, like mm-hmm. be open about your journey. And it actually doesn't, it doesn't scare people away from working with you. It actually endears them to you. So I, I, I don't get, I don't get to talk about, about it specifically a lot. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm all in, I'm excited. Um, okay. So, so all the way back, I, I, I was a church, a church rat, you know, I grew up, I grew up as a preacher's kid. Nice. So, so I was, you know, my, my dad, um, got saved at, uh, in 11th grade. And so if you get saved at 11th grade, you are like on fire. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's just, that's just how it works. Right. Like, yep. So, so he immediately went to Bible college the next year, you know, after graduating high school, met my mom and, uh, and then two years later they went on the missions on the mission fields and they were missionaries. And then he got back and they did seminary. And then after seminary, he got his doctorate and then became a Bible college professor. So that's, that's like my family. (laughs) It's like really like, he's a pretty hardcore conservative theologian. That's, that's sort of his bent of kind of the people that, that, that he found along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I grew up thinking that's the only way, you know, yeah. and I grew up, and I grew up thinking that, you know, you had to wear doilies on your head if you're a woman <laughs> and, you know, you're not allowed to talk during the service. <laughs> and oh my word, what, a, what other baggage do I have? <laughs> Wait, doilies on your head? <laughs> oh my word. Yes, okay. exactly. All right. It's, it's just super conservative. Like, and I, and I think a lot of us church kids, like we grew up thinking that there's only this one way to, to express our Christianity, you know? Yeah. Um, and so then going into fifth grade, we moved to Canada and Canada doesn't have this really conservative um, denomination that my dad was a part of. And my eyes were open. Like, I was like, wait a second. You mean like there are people that lift their hands when they sing, you know, <laughs> there are guitars in church, you know? So 
so that that kind of explains like my my journey in faith like of course like i love jesus i i I learned about him from so early on um but then there's like this 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 transitional period that i feel like i went to went through like three times of like embracing faith as my own and um and so you know that happened probably in middle school where i was like am i really a believer Mm -hmm. let me rededicate It it was you know, it was around a campfire at, mm-hmm. at uh, like a Bible camp. And I remember <laughs> the song they were singing was called Soul Desire. And it oh. goes, uh, you're the soul desire of my heart. Like, that's the song. Oh, it's like this old, like, that. and I was like looking at this girl across the campfire, <laughs> <laughs> like trying to like say with her, uh, my eyes that like, I love Jesus, but like we could go hang out too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> was it Julie? It was not sure. Oh, no, we oh, met a bummer. lot. Later. Okay. No, this was like <laughs> this a song is about both girl. you and Jesus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is what your it's eyes like a were double saying. meaning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, and then, and so went to. I I started a band. I played worship music, and you know, I, I went to a, this little Bible college up in the middle of nowhere, Canada. And my freshman year, my my band was the you know the the worship leader for this day of prayer. So every February, the Bible coach takes a day off of school, and they all go to a local church, and they take the whole day and they pray for the country and the community and for the school and you know all those kind of things. And in that morning, getting ready to like load up our band van to drive to this church only about 20 minutes away um the night before february 20th right so the night before february 19th there was this like freak rainstorm and Mm. in canada it's cold like february like there's no raining in february (laughs) it's supposed to be snow and and as a result of this rainstorm the roads were just glass like just sheets of ice and and so there we are we get we get in my car because the van wouldn't start so so my band is packed into my little my little car freshman year of college we're driving to this day of prayer to get ready to to be the band for the day and we're about to cross over this highway and my car won't stop and i see the stop sign coming and i'm like pumping my brakes and doing everything i can and because of the ice we slid right onto the highway oh my gosh and we get they call it t-boned right we just got nailed by this other car Mm. same problem they were going highway speed they weren't able to stop hit driver's side door freshman year in college and i i leaned to the middle of the i was the driver right so i leaned to the middle of the car and we just get just hammered and Mm. i closed my eyes and what, what felt like an hour it was probably like three seconds i slowly opened my eyes and and literally i'm thinking like the soul desire of my heart. Like I'm, I'm going to be in heaven, you know, and <laughs> like marble, whatever, and streets of gold and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I guess that was it. That was it's 18 year old, you know, that's the end. Wow. And the first thing I saw were my hands and I was like kind of crunched up over into the middle of the, the car. Um, and I looked at my hands. It was so weird. It was like one of those moments where it's just like, what are hands, you know? And I just, I, <laughs> I started wiggling, like moving my fingers, and I was like, my hands work. Because I thought, if I'm not dead, I'm definitely paralyzed. Oh, my gosh. And my hands worked. And I'm like, right away, Lord, these are your hands. Mm -hmm. These aren't Brian's hands. Brian wasted these hands for 18 years. These are your hands. And then I'm like, and I, you know, and I I can move my arm. I'm like, these are your arms, you know. 
and I and I turn my gaze towards the front of the car, and I see this just crumpled dashboard. You know, glass was shattered. Just everything in just a slow motion. And it was that at that moment, I'd say that I really said, "Lord, this isn't." Because I think there's this process of faith where mm-hmm. we go, "I'll a God like here's here's my plan," and can you sign the dotted line? Like, can you yeah. can you let me do my plan? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yep. But what he actually does through through his right his his kindness leads us to repentance. What he does over time is he actually says, "Um." let me show you my plan, you know, yeah. can you sign on the dotted line? And that was <laughs> that moment. It was like, wherever, whenever, however, God, this is your life. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot for an 18 year old to deal with. It is. So it took a few years to kind of figure out exactly what that meant. But I really knew that I, I'm on borrowed time. I live every day, ladies, every day, borrowed time. Wow. That's like, if you took Brian Dixon, you put me into two words, borrowed time. Wow. You know, I, I just wake up every morning. I go, Oh my, like I get another day. Are you kidding me? This is incredible. Wow. You know, and I can't wait to serve people. I can't wait to inspire people. And it's not coming from a cheesy place. It's coming from borrowed time. Wow. Yeah. You know, so, so I, 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 I used my hands and I'm like, well, I was going to be a worship leader. I'm going all in, you know, <laughs> going all in. And my band was like, wait, what? And I was like, let's quit our jobs. Let's hit the road. Let's make albums. I used some of my accident money, like, cause you need to get like an insurance thing because oh, yeah. of the roads or whatever. I bought a motorhome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, the band will travel in the motorhome and we'll, we'll be rock stars for Jesus. Yes. And we'll, we'll be like Switchfoot 2.0. <laughs> like that's our plan. <laughs> You know, and they were all like, we're out, we got cool jobs, oh. and we're we're done. <laughs> and so Don't there worry. was this moment, you know, there was this moment of like wilderness wandering. I literally took the money that I saved up to go with the band, and I went to Europe after graduating college for 40 days. How biblical is that, right? So 40 biblical. days. And I, and I just backpacked by myself before the internet, really, <laughs> you know? Wow. And and I just was like, Lord, what, who am I? Why am I here? I even like tried to write a novel when I was like traveling around. Oh my gosh. So Donald and, Miller. <laughs> right? I know. Yeah. Don and I have similar, similar stories. Yeah. And, th- and there it was, I, I remember the moment I was, I was in Cherbourg, France in this, like this alleyway, just sitting there with my guitar. And I was like, this isn't working. Mm. Lord, what? Like, where are you? And, and, and it was this moment of, I don't know the plan, but I know how I can help. And, and I just saw it so, so clearly that the time when I felt most alive and the time where I felt like I was making the biggest impact is when I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. I, was a, I was a teacher at a summer camp. You know, I, was, I became the, cl- the climbing wall instructor and I taught people how to nice. do climbing wall. <laughs> I, I was a Sunday school teacher, second grade Sunday school teacher, and I taught people about, you know, Jesus in that way. And then I was a guitar teacher, and I was like, teaching has always been something that that has, I felt like I'm making a difference. Yeah. And so I came back home, and I said to my parents, I'm going to be a teacher. And I, you know, I, I did a master's in teaching, fell in love with teaching, underserved kids, teaching them about technology. And, you know, 14 years later, I, I was starting to uh, you know, that that was what I loved. And, and I did that for 14 years. Wow. Yeah. Well, wait a second. Now, how did you end up uh, in marketing and right? and writing? And t- take us kind of through your professional journey. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for asking. So, so 
the the first day of school um being a being a classroom teacher you know you do this thing called practicum where you you come and like you you observe mm-hmm. and and i walked in columbia south carolina not known for being very you know high at, on their education spectrum and walk into the school that literally closed the next year because uh, it was so falling apart oh, man. third grade classroom and i walk in and it was in october uh, during during this master's program learning how to be a teacher and there're three three computers in the back of the room that that hadn't even been plugged in that hadn't even been taken out of the, the off the the dust cover like they were still brand new 2 months into school and these kids look bored out of their minds oh, you know and um, and i'm like wait a second i might not be a great teacher i'm just starting but i know how to plug computers in so, so at recess, the first day I asked the teacher, you know, who hated her job, I'm like, can I plug those computers? And she's like, what, if you can figure it out, go ahead. So I plug them in, load them up. The kids come back from recess and their eyes lit up. Like they couldn't wait to get on the computer and play math blaster, you know, like yeah. finally do something fun. <laughs> and so that's, that's always sort of been my style of teaching. Like I've gotten in so much trouble as a teacher because I'm the one who like, you know, rip down the curtains and paint the wall and like move the desks around and yeah. like borrow somebody else's computer so we can have enough for all the kids, you know? I love that. And, and so that, that just kept leading me into more and more responsibility, just having a, a vision for engagement and mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started teaching teachers how to, how to use technology. And, um, and what I learned through that is that what's obvious to you is magic to other people. So true. It's obvious to me how to put together a PowerPoint and how to how to make an interactive quiz that the kids can participate in. Like that's something a lot of teachers know how to do, but there's also a lot of teachers that have no idea how to use PowerPoint in their classroom. Yeah. And so I started training my obvious magic. Like these are the things I can do that might help you. And and when you when you show up and serve, when you teach people things and they get results, they refer you. Yeah. So I went from like the, the building t- uh, trainer, tech trainer, to like the school tech trainer, to the district level tech trainer. And that led to like being the guy that goes to the conference and talks about technology. And, um, and eventually I had an opportunity, an amazing opportunity uh, to move. We were in San Diego at that time. I had a doctorate in education and I, I just focused on technology and education. And I got recruited to move to Baton Rouge, Louisiana to start a charter school. Oh, wow. From the ground up, from the ground up. And I, and I got to like go from being the teacher that's always getting in trouble because I'm always like breaking the rules to being the guy to make the rules. It was awesome. (laughs) Was it? (laughs) It was awesome. Okay. Because my rules were all about kids, you know, my rules were like, is this going to help kids? Like anytime I I had an assistant principal and a dean of students and they'd want to make some rule and I'd say, well, will that help kids learn? And they're like, they, they didn't know what to do with me, you know. <laughs> so, so telling the story of the of the of the school, um, I, I mean, it's it's a much longer story, but essentially in, in Baton Rouge, it's it's very segregated in education. Mm. You know, uh, we our first parent open night, uh, open house night. You know, because we we only need two hundred fifty kids to get the school off the ground, and um, and we had five hundred thirty people come to our first open house. Oh my goodness! And I was like, my job's done. You know, like this is great. We're over, we're already crowded. You know, I already have a wait list on the first day. And after my big presentation, teaching, uh, talking about what the school's going to be about with all the parents in the room. Um, after that presentation, there was a long line of parents 
And I looked out this long line who was looking forward to talking to me. And I realized they're, they all look exactly the same. Oh man. All the white parents lined up at this theater where we had this open house night. And the first guy I remember to this day, exactly what he looks like in this look on his face to this day, he, he looked at me and he said, you know, Dr. Dixon, thanks so much for the presentation. Sounds like a great school, but I have one question for you. Is my little Claire, like his, his eight, eight, eighth grade girl, is my little Claire going to be in school with those people? Oh my goodness. And, and pointed at, you know, the African-American families that were also in the room. And I said, oh, yes, sir, we're going to be the most diverse school in Baton Rouge. And he said, well, then Claire's not going to come to Mentorship Academy. Oh, my gosh. And we went from 530 kids that were interested in joining to less than 175. So I now had this big gap of 75 kids. And our budget depended on 250 kids. So I I had to find 75 new kids in like a month. Like, how do you convince a kid in the middle of the summer to change to go to a different, a brand new high yeah. school, you know? Yeah. And I discovered Facebook ads. <laughs> I started running Facebook ads for our open house. So we'd have an open house every Tuesday night. We'd run Facebook ads all week to get, to get kids and parents to sign up for the open house. Then they'd come. Like, if I can get them in front of me, I can tell them about how awesome the school's going to be. Yep. But to get them, to actually engage them, they're basically the local po- public school district was like, we're not letting him recruit any kids from our school. So they wouldn't send out any emails, no postcards, they couldn't get their addresses or anything. So we had to bootstrap it and do open house nights and pay for Facebook ads. Wow. And that is when I fell in love with marketing. Mm-hmm. I think I think people that don't love marketing, it's because you're not passionate about uh, passionate enough about your message. Yeah. My message was you can go to college. Like you can you can do something awesome with your life even though your whole uh, culture and family around you is saying, who are you to succeed? My answer is you're amazing and we're here to help you. Yeah. And that's why I learned Facebook ads because I knew the Facebook ads could get the kids to learn about the school and to learn about the school, then they could come. And if they come, then maybe they'd finally believe in themselves and they'd actually get to college. Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> I did not know that that's how you got into marketing. Did you get the 75 more kids? Oh yeah, we we had a wait list. I'm on the edge of my seat here. <laughs> we had a wait list. Oh, here's here's a little hack too. At Facebook, you can't advertise to anybody under 18 years old, and all the kids that we were recruiting were 13 or 14 year olds. Oh. And so I started running Facebook ads. I just accidentally found this out. I started running Facebook ads to people that were 80, 80, and older, what? because kids lie about their age when they sign up for Facebook. Oh. Because <laughs> you knew that they'd say they were super old. They said there were a hundred. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> wow. So how long did you, did you stay in Baton Rouge and run that school? Four and a half years. Wow. Yeah, four and a half years. And and so I wrote a book. So like, again, what's obvious to you is magic to other people. So I really learned, fa- I learned Facebook advertising, I learned LinkedIn strategies to recruit teachers. We use Twitter to share announcements, you know, in Louisiana, there's hurricanes and things like that. And so we'd always have these like, real-time announcements so i discovered the power of twitter to get a message out to like everyone immediately yeah um and so we just started using social media not because i love social media but because we had a message to get out yeah and uh and so i made a little guidebook like internal guidebook for our i had a marketing um what we call intern and i'm like oh this is how you do it and i i literally started writing out like this is how we run our facebook page this is how we do our linkedin profile and i just started writing it out and she's like this is really good i'm like okay well 
and I, I made a, a guide, like a little, uh, you know, booklet that I started selling at conferences because I, I, I kept speaking at conferences about what we're trying to do, this experiment and trying to get the school off the ground. And I'm at one of those conferences and they had a, they had a panel of book editors and I'm like, oh, I should go to that. That's maybe, maybe they can take my little guide and do something with it. You know, and I met, I met somebody from, from Wiley, which is a, a pretty well-known, you know, uh, professional uh, education publisher. Mm-hmm. And he was interested. You know, I gave him my little guide and he said, you know what, this is good. Uh, let me put you in contact with the education editor and uh, she can help you with a book proposal. And, and you know, a year later, uh, uh, I, I rewrote the book. I made it a lot thicker, uh, longer and more detailed. And it became, you know, a, a real book called social media for school leaders which is you know still available on amazon but but here's how i made the pivot from schooling to marketing we we were in our first marketing meeting with wiley and i'm on the phone you know still running the school so it's like in, in, right 5 30 in the afternoon after school was out and all the, all the teachers had left um and i'm on this marketing call and and on the phone you know I, i'm brand new author no idea what i'm doing and i said so what's our facebook ad budget for the for the book because I talk about Facebook ads in the book and they laugh on the other end of the phone. <laughs> They're like, I, wait, they, they literally said, Oh no, no, we just print the book. You have to do the marketing. Mm-hmm. They literally said that we just print the book. You have to do the marketing, oh, man. And they print great books. Like good for them. But if you're going to be an author and you need to get your message out in a big way, you need to learn marketing. And it was in that moment, it's one of those God moments where it just hit me because I'm, I'm standing in this conference room on this phone call for this book about social media. And it just hit me. What about books about teen suicide? Like what, ab- what, what about books about how to recover after divorce? Like mm-hmm. really important topics. Mm-hmm. And if those authors don't know how to market, does that mean all their books are dead on arrival? Like no one will ever buy them. Yeah. So that's where I just set out to like learning as much as I could about book marketing and helping others with book marketing. Wow. And is that really kind of like the genesis of Hope Writers? That's where a lot of it started. Yeah. You know, a lot of it started that way. Um, it just, you know, the lesson I think in all that is just, is just keep moving forward, you know, keep, keep looking for, uh, I've been sharing this recently and I think it's, it's going to be my new sort of manifesto is like fix what's broken. Mm. Like look around your life, look around your friends, look, look around at your church and just see what's broken. Yeah. Like, Oh, like they, they have a handwritten sign that says order coffee here. And you're like, I, you want to be a graphic designer? Go, go make the sign. <laughs> like, Just yeah. go make the sign. Just step up and do it. Yeah. Right. Just step up and do it. Just go fix what's broken. And, and, and if we all work together to look around our community and fix what's broken, mm-hmm. it's not going to be broken anymore. That's so true. You that's know? So true. And you know, my husband's in law enforcement doing. and he, he talks yes. about the broken window theory. Yeah. Like yeah. things stay broken because no one fixes them and it gets that's worse exactly and it. worse and worse. But if somebody steps up and fixes it, then everything yeah. kind of turns around in a community. Yeah. Man, we wait, we stuff. wait for somebody we wait for somebody to ask us to design the sign, hoping that maybe they'll get the, our business card right. that we're a, we're a designer, and it just doesn't work that way. Nope. What it the way it works is we is we see people and we go, hey, you know what would be really cool? So th- so so real quick, fast forward a couple of years, I, I started work with some clients, and that that all that's a fun story in and of itself. But long story short, I'm I'm at a conference. And I'm, and I'm talking to a few people and I meet Chad Smith, who's married to Michael Lynn Smith. Michael is known as the nester, right? Yeah. And so, so he and I become buddies 
and with no agenda, just friends, you know, and, and he invites us over to dinner and, uh, you know, we're having dinner and everything's great and just not business, just dinner, just having fun. But, you know, in the interim, I, I checked out, uh, Mike Lynn's stuff online and I just, I fix was broken. I'm like, she, she should have an online course. Like she should have a course teaching her style, like the way she does this. Yeah. It's cozy, but it's minimalist. Like, how does she do this? And, um, and that's where it started. You know, it wow. started in terms of Hope Writers was working with Michael Lynn. And um, actually, Gary came over that night, his, her dad, and he just grills you. You know, he's like, who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? Like in a fun way. Yeah. But that's just his personality. And he goes, OK, so you help people, you help authors. Like, how would you help her? And I said, oh, she should have a course, maybe a membership site. She should do something where she teaches how, how to decorate your home. And so we did a course called Cozy Minimalist that, you know, sold a lot and did really well. And so that led to work with a lot of her friends and eventually working with her sister and her dad in, in a little thing called Hopeology, which, you know, we did a survey uh, right as I came on board. We did a survey. We asked people, what's your number one goal for joining Hopeology? And uh, 40%, their number one goal was to be a writer. Wow. And we're like, it's right in front of us. Hope writers. Like yeah. we're helping writers, helping them with hope to move forward in the writing journey to serve their people. And four years later, you know, we're almost 3,000 members. Like it's crazy. It is. And, you yep. know, Hope Writers was really kind of where Collected got started because I came Amazing. to the first Hope Writers conference. And Amazing. I'll never forget our first conversation, Brian. I walked up and I said, hey. I'm supposed to write a book. God told me to write a book. And you're like, well, you have a blog? And I was like, no. You're like, well, you need a blog. And I was like, and 10,000 people on your email list. I'm like, yeah. Womp, womp. But, I know. but that w- I took that as like the most practical, honest advice that anyone could possibly give me. And I got after it. And yeah. now we're here. I'm working on a proposal. I'm going to pitch it at this year's Hope Writers Conference. Love and it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love it. And so ha- sitting on the other end of, of you know, your mm-hmm. philosophy of, of serving your people well, um, yep. I just really, really admire that philosophy. So I wonder if you could tell us, I know you have a new book coming out. When does, when does your new book uh, go on sale? Oh, I'm so excited. Thanks for asking. Yeah, it comes out September 10th, September oh, 10th, 2019. So exciting. so exciting. Yeah. Yes. So just uh, five days from when this drops. That's, oh, that's so amazing. That's Thanks awesome. again for having me. Yeah. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the book. Well, well, here's the thing. So, so in all this work, all this working, right, starting the school and, and learning marketing and helping people with their courses, um, a lot of projects, you know, just really focus on projects. And, and the way that I would approach projects is like how you make an omelet. You know, you break, yeah. a, bunch of, break a bunch of eggs to make an omelet. And unfortunately what I was doing in, in trying to grow and trying to build businesses and help people with their businesses is I was treating people like the eggs, Um. you know, I was just like, Hey, if, if we were, you know, if your course wasn't selling well, then you didn't hear from me anymore, you know? And if, um, um, what else? Like if, like, I just give, I try to give like hard advice and try to motivate people, but like I was missing some of the heart, I was focused on the outcome, but I was missing the process. Mm. And uh, and it's really hard for us to read our own label. You know, it's really hard for us to see the way we come across. Mm-hmm. So what I thought was uh, motivational and hard driving and sort of like let's move forward um, was sometimes a bit abrasive to people. 
Like I, I hear you telling me yeah. the advice I told you, and I'm like, oh, I could have said that so much better. Well, but it, it for me, it worked. But I think, aren't you? <laughs> are you a three on the enneagram? I am. Yeah, me yes. too. I think that's why that worked. That's right. Yeah, but most people aren't a three. That's true. You know? <laughs> most most people are loyalists. You know, most people are. What's that? A five? They're six, they're, yeah. they're they're six. Yeah, they're they're about you know, taking it slow and getting data and building relationships and not taking big risks. Yeah. And and so in my threeness, uh, approaching the world as a pretty abrasive, uh, unhealthy three, um, I, I, there was a lot of broken relationships along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, a client who that project didn't work out and, and I didn't have anything to say because it was like she didn't do her part. Come on, what's wrong with her? Mm-hmm. You know, like having this attitude about people. Um, and so, you know, one of our, my membership sites that I, that I co-run is about uh, career growth. And so I'm interviewing this uh, business coach for this, for this membership community. And at the end of our call, our one-hour call, he says, if you really want to take your life and business to the next level, you should do a 360 assessment. And I'm like, I want to take my business and life to the next level, but I have no idea what a 360 assessment is. So have you heard of this before, guys? I have. Yeah, I have. So awesome. Well, in case you haven't, it sounds terrible. I'll be honest. Right? I don't want to ever do that. You don't okay, so you know it, but you don't want to do it. And I felt <laughs> the same way. I was like, what is this? So you you use there's a lot of tools. If you Google 360 assessment, you'll find a number of tools. Um, but the one that I used, you you upload, like you copy and paste a bunch of email addresses to people that you want to take them have them take the survey mm-hmm. and then it anonymously sends it to these to these people and it basically asked them you know what is tia good at where is tia stuck and if you could tell tia anything what would you say oh that sounds horrible and they fill it in and it's anonymous so you don't know if your mom said it or that old client said it like you have no idea wow and and what it does is it allows them to be honest yeah. And like, think about it. Where else in our life can somebody come up to us and say, Brian, you have spinach in your teeth or, you know, you have, there's like this, this one tooth that's a little chipped. And if you go fix it, like people wouldn't be so distracted when you do online videos. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and guess what guys, like that's the advice sometimes we need to hear. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's, it's really hard to hear, but, but it's also helpful mm-hmm. through a filter and, and so, you know, I, I waited, I think you get five days to take the thing. So five days later, I, I can finally log in and see all the results of what people said. And I skim immediately past all the good stuff. And I get right to the, you know, what's Brian bad at? What would you say to him if you could tell him anything? And at least three people said something to the effect of, Brian often puts projects over people. Mm, ouch. Oh, right. As a teacher, like as somebody who's on borrowed time, God, like, what am I doing with this life? You've re-gifted me. Like now I'm putting, I'm putting all these projects over people, you know, and Jesus came to seek and to save. Like he saw, right. He looked out over the masses and he saw people that were like sheep without a shepherd. If I'm going to have the heart of Christ, I need to see people. And I was, I was missing people instead focus on results wow and so that's I went so on valuable a, though right yeah. oh it was so hard it was so hard so um i went on a bit of like an apology tour you know i 
I just went through my old emails and I actually started in my Facebook friends group. I don't even talk about this in the book. It's a little deeper. I went through my Facebook friends group, which I mean, you know, your list of your friends, which are like thousands, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, 2019, we have a lot of people that we know. Right. Um, I'm like Facebook friends with my like people that were in second grade with me. Right. Right. You know, and I looked through there and I prayed over it. Um, and I'm like, Lord, if, if there's anybody I need to apologize to, just show them to me. And it was like highlight on the screen, you know, it was like, oh, no, her, you know, oh, wow. oh no, him. <laughs> like, oh. Oh. And, and all in all, I think there were about 36, 38 people that were just obvious, wow. you know, That's a lot. it's like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm, you're not convincing me on the 360 assessment. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> Yeah. So I send these, so I send these, uh, emails, like I wrote this email and it basically said, you know, let's say, I don't know, let's say one of the guys' names was Jeremy, right? So dear Jeremy, um, I know it's been a while and things didn't work out like we thought they would. Uh, I want to let you know that I've really been growing and, um, I realized that the way that I treated you, the way I acted in this project, the way I, I showed up wasn't my best self. And I take a hundred percent responsibility and I want to say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Wow. 30, 36 emails like, like that. Wow. 35 of them immediately. Brian, thank you so much. No problem. Hey, man, that's awesome. Congratulations. Like really positive, really awesome. positive, you know, or, or even like, wow, like you send an email. Like, that's amazing. Like immediately they were so kind, Yeah. you know, and, and some, some of you like right now have somebody in your life that you just need to forgive or you need to ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. 99% from my experience, 99% of people will like immediately forgive you. Like no problem. That's and, encouraging. And, okay. So there's that, but there's the rest of the story. So the three months later, I'm speaking at this female blogger conference down in, where was I? Down in Florida, I think. And, um, and I'm, I'm literally on the stage talking about how I've been growing and like start with your people and all this kind of stuff. And as if like the Lord put a spotlight, you know, on someone way in the back of the room, there's this lady who I had kind of forgotten about, like it had been a long time. And we did this little project, you know, most of my projects are in the 10 to $50,000 range. This was a $1,500 project. So it was a, it was a small project for me. And, um, and as if there was a spotlight over her head when I saw her, it was, the Lord was like, boom, conviction, mm. you know, you need to go make that right. Mm. I tried to, I tried to talk to her at the conference and it just didn't work out. Honestly, I think she was just avoiding me. <laughs> and I sent an e- I sent an email when I got home to her and I said, I, 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 every time I tell the story, I almost say her name. So, yeah. um, I, I wrote her and I said, listen, I saw you at the conference and I realized that we like, there, there's something unresolved. And the way that I showed up and, and, you know, the way that I treated that project, I could have done a better job. And I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Thinking she's just going to say, no problem. You know, Brian, you're awesome. You know, I loved your talk. Right. <laughs> and instead she wrote back and she said, if you're sincerely sorry, you'd refund the deposit. Wow. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're like, sometimes there's not extra money to refund deposits from two years ago. Right. You know? Yeah. So I walked downstairs cause I work from home. I walked downstairs to, to say, to see Julie cause as a spouse, you should be on the same page. And I said, Hey, listen, this client from two years ago, I think I need to refund her. Uh, and she, and Julie said, if that's what you need to do, let's do it. Because you know, she knows sometimes the hardest thing is the best thing, yeah. you know, sometimes. Yeah. Right. And, and so I walked back upstairs, I wrote back and I said, 
no problem. Let me know how much and I'll send it right away. So she said $750. And it was like gulp. Like I could, that, that buys a lot of ballet shoes for, for Emmeline. Right, you know? right. I don't want to send anyone $750, right. you know? And so I send it to her uh, immediately on PayPal and I included a little note, like, you know, um, again, I'm sorry. Um, you know, wishing you all the best, something like that. She wrote back immediately. And what I got in that email is an email worth printing and framing. She, she literally said, you know, Brian, you didn't need to apologize and you definitely didn't need to, uh, refund. But the fact that you did gives me hope to know that there's people like you in the world. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm tearing up thinking about it. Yeah. To turn an adversary into yeah. an advocate with something as simple as an email and a refund. Wow. That's the power of starting with your people mm-hmm. right there. And the, the ministry of reconciliation that we're all given yes. as Christ yes. followers. I love that. You know, I'm, yeah. my gut instinct, especially as a three and being so mm-hmm. like conscious of, you know, what people think of me and, and appearances and things, you know, like my gut reaction to that 360 assessment is like, <laughs> nope, no, thank you. But yeah. to hear of the way that Holy Spirit brought about reconciliation in so many relationships yeah. um, is, wow, that makes me want to jump on it. That's amazing. Oh, and, and you know what? You write a book like this and guess what happens? I mean, I'm going to get spiritual for a second, which I don't normally do on podcast interviews. But Satan sees, he pays attention Yep. and, and he knows, listen, this conversation alone, he's listening to this mm-hmm. and he knows that I'm talking about forgiving people. I guarantee there's somebody I wronged in the last 24 hours <laughs> I need to go apologize to, you know, yeah. it's like, this is a journey. This, you know, I'm still, I'm still doing this. I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, but here's the cool thing. Okay. Finish the story in, in the two years since sending that email, I've seen her twice in, in person. Mm-hmm. Um, she now works for a company that I'm, we work with. So I know her actually pretty well now. She has told other people, go work with Brian. He's awesome. She's gotten other people to join Hope Writers. Wow. She, you know, and she's forgiven me and she knows the stories about her. You know, like we've yeah. had the conversation. There is grace. Yeah. You know, and she told me this last time I saw her just a few months ago, she said, you know, it's something I've never told you is when I was mad at you because that thing didn't work out, three different people asked me about, what do you think about Brian Dixon? And I told them, don't ever work with that guy. Oh, man. Wow. So, so not forgiving people, like just to be a three for a second, like not forgiving people actually shoots your business in the foot. Like mm-hmm. it actually hurts you. Now, it's not, this isn't a strategy thing. This is a God-led heart thing. But it actually is a strategy thing, too. Right. It's keeping short accounts and trying to live it when all possible in peace with all men. Mm-hmm. Like, it actually leads to more business accomplishment right. when we can serve people and we can, when we can get along with them. Yeah. Yeah. Our ways and deeds matching the life of Christ is always a good business strategy. Like, yeah. 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 Wow. Brian. That is incredible. What a story. That is so encouraging and inspiring to us. We thank you for Mm, that. So glad. Yeah. Well, man, we are going to have to wrap up our chat, unfortunately, but um, we sure do appreciate you taking time to chat with us, and I cannot wait to get my hands on this book. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for the time. So, Brian, as you heard, is full of energy Mm -hmm. and revelation, wisdom, um, humor. I mean, he, 
I was so intrigued by um, his story. And I love what he said about what's obvious to you is magic to other people. Mm-hmm. That is so profound because yeah. we can really, we can sometimes doubt that what we have to bring, have to bring to the table doesn't matter or somebody else has already done it or blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like, no, like he realized that what he brought was magic to somebody else and totally revolutionized what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's powerful. So um, I, I'm just, I'm that alone. I was like, wow, thank you, Brian, for just, you know, walking through that process mm-hmm. with us that we, you know, we were able to hear and also glean from that. It really reminded me too how important it is to not necessarily stay fully in your niche of, um, yes, you know, your focus and um, like your propensity for influence. Like, get outside of that and and let that trickle out to mm-hmm. other people and receive it from other people because. Once in a while, I'll sit down for someone new with coffee, and I'll say the same old things I say all the time, and they find them to be very profound. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, because it's it's what I'm familiar with. It is simple to me, but to others, it's it's magic. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's important for us to kind of mix things up with the people that are in our lives and um, and who who we're talking with and who we can learn from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on his Instagram, he had this thing that said like um, competition versus or competition or collaboration or something like that. And I was like, oh, that is beautiful. That goes right along with what you're saying. Like collaborate, let's get out there. Let's glean from each other Mm -hmm. and grow with one another instead of competing, Mm -hmm. champion one another to do the things that we're, we are all created to do differently. Well, I hope that uh, this interview with Brian inspires you guys to serve the people in your life. Well, Um, I can, say that I know Brian starts with his at-home people and the people that are closest to him, his wife and his kids. And so maybe that's a good challenge for this week is to just really start with the people that are closest to you and serve them well. Wake up with the mindset of what can I do to serve my people? And with that, we will see you back here next week. Thanks for listening. Please uh, be sure to rate, leave a review, subscribe, share. We would love for you to share the Collected Podcast love. Thank you for listening to the Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would help spread the word. Check back here for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. Find the Collected Podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Collected Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, exclusive contests, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNally Notes, Jess at Spreza Foundry, and Michaela at The Creative Space NC. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to prevent and support unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. Support for the Collected Podcast is provided by Clean Juice. Learn more at cleanjuice.com and be sure to check out their lifestyle arm at wellhappyandkind.com. Podcast recorded by Jacob Early. Music by Asaf Alon.